the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Good morning, Admiral. How are you? Doing well, Hugh. I hope uh, your beautiful Nixon library is doing well, given the wildfires out there. We're away from the wildfires, but we're going to finally open up on Monday after being closed for seven months. That's a good thing. Now, Admiral, I want to it's a big day for Middle East peace. And I thought we would turn for you for a primer on most people know Israel and you know what they think about Israel. Fewer people know about the United Arab Emirates, fewer still Bahrain. I'm sure you are very familiar with both of those countries and why this is a big day. Why don't you give us a primer on both the UAE and Bahrain and what you think today means for the region? Yeah, uh, let's start with UAE, one of the Gulf states. It's actually composed, as the name of the country implies, United Arab Emirates. It's a group of uh, smaller entities uh, inside the Arabian Gulf, in the southeastern corner of the Arabian Gulf. Um, they are highly capable nation. Um, they have often played a leading role in Middle East politics, despite having a, a small population. And they have a very capable military, very concerned about the threat of Iran. So if you go just north in the Arabian Gulf is the island nation of Bahrain, has also a very small population, does not have the oil wealth and the natural gas wealth that the UAE does, tends to follow in Arab politics in the wake of Saudi Arabia, of course, but also of the UAE. So what's occurred here is a coalescing of a nascent but growing Arab coalition against Iran that incorporates Israel. That's why this is a big deal, because these are the first two Arab states other than Jordan and Egypt, who many years ago, during the Camp David Accords, of course, signed up to recognize Israel. Now you're finally seeing the Gulf Arab states, which is where the money is, all the wealth, the oil, the natural gas, and the military capability, all that coming together against Iran. Now, I have never been to either of these states, but I, I found out in my research, Dubai, which is part of the UAE, has the largest, busiest international airport in the world. And Bahrain and UAE both have logistical capability and shipping capabilities, which are central. And then something I didn't know, UAE financial depth is not unlike Wall Street in terms of banking, and they lead in clean energy. So I, I think the Israeli-UAE highway is going to run in two directions, not just capital from UAE and Israel, but innovation from UAE and Israel, and both of those back again. Agree, Admiral? Without question. And by the way, let's also point out that Bahrain hosts the U.S. Fifth Fleet. So as you know, Hugh, around the world, we have these so-called numbered fleets. Second Fleet and Third Fleet are in the United States, East Coast, West Coast, respectively. Seventh Fleet in Japan, 
forward in the Pacific. Um, the one that is the largest fleet is the fifth fleet in the Arabian Gulf. Its headquarters is on the island nation of Bahrain. So we are, we the United States are already extremely close to Bahrain. Now to your point, um, that, that flow of technology is also one of military capabilities. So watch for Israel and UAE in particular to work together on intelligence sharing, on cyber capability, on missile defense, on networked surveillance, all of it directed against Iran. And the United States military here in the form of U.S. Central Command, commanded by my good friend General Frank McKenzie, will be very much involved in that, as you call it, that two-way highway. It'll be technology, commerce, eventually tourism. Dubai is one of the most enjoyable cities in the world to spend uh, a long weekend in. But it'll also be those kind of bedrock military high-tech capabilities, Hugh. So, Admiral, I'm thinking of the Carlisle Group here, which is, of course, one of uh, uh, David Rubenstein was on with me uh, this week talking about his new book, How to Lead. And I'm thinking of the investment bankers around the world. They're going to want to have a piece of this pie. Eventually, that pie gets so big. Do you think the Palestinians say it's time to grow rather than sow discord? It's time to make a deal rather than refuse to sit down. Is that going to happen? It is. And uh, again, um, this is important, not because UAE and Bahrain per se have recognized Israel or are about to. They're relatively small states. What's important here is the potential for commerce, for innovation, for military cooperation, broadly speaking, between the Sunni Arab world and Israel. That's profound, and it will have uh, impact. The one to watch, obviously, is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. When will uh, the crown prince make the decision to take the leap and be part of this? Um, he has already, by the way, gone on record almost two years ago, uh, indicating his belief that Israel has a right to exist. It's sort of the pre-step before recognition and diplomatic relations. I think next to... Uh, nations that will move forward in this uh, will probably not be the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia yet, but watch for uh, Morocco and Sudan, both of whom have uh, Sunni Arab connections and populations to make the next step. I think following that, the, uh, the, the gravitas of this, the throw weight of it has increased to the point the kingdom uh, will probably make that decision sooner rather than later. Now, Admiral James Stavridis, is one of the side agreements, allegedly not linked, but when they all happen at the same time, it's like I looked at the Iran deal and the hostage release back when it was uh, Secretary Kerry and President Obama. Everything that happens at the same time is connected. Is the sale, allegedly, of a number of F-35, America's most advanced fighter plane, to the United Arab Emirates, which your old friend James Mattis called Little Sparta when he was at the Nixon Library. So what do you make of the sale of the country's most advanced fighter to the UAE? I think it can be done. It needs to be done very carefully <clears throat> because we want to protect the equities of Israel here. Um, we have had a policy for decades of what's called qualitative military edge for Israel. That means, in effect, that the United States has always been careful 
not to sell technology to the Arab world that surpasses the technology of Israel, QME. We need to remain firm on that. But you can sell the Joint Strike Fighter, particularly as Israel um, finds itself more and more in agreement with the Sunni Arab world. So I think we are on the edge of being able to sell the Joint Strike Fighter forward into the Arab world. It'll require close coordinated with the Israelis and really looking uh, slice by slice at the technology that goes into this particular F-35. Do you foresee, Admiral, a level of cooperation between the uh, Jewish state and the UAE when it comes to their pilots that they'll work together? You know, we have exercises between the Indian military and their pilots and our carrier pilots when they do exercises off of the coast of India. Will you see that kind of cooperation or will it be still a little standoffish? I think very quickly you'll see um, that level of cooperation move forward in the air. But I'll give you two other places. I think you'll see it uh, perhaps even more quickly. One will be special forces uh, working and training and exercising together. Here the Israelis are unmatched in certainly in that region. They're high-end special forces, which I've had many opportunities to observe and interact with, are very close, if not equal, to those of the United States. UAE, not that capable, but growing. And uh, we, the United States, would welcome that kind of increased special forces cooperation. Second, uh, maritime world. You know, the Admiral's going to tell you this, but the Arabian Gulf, spoke a moment ago, are both key places where there could be naval cooperation. Israel has a very capable Navy. Generally, they operate, of course, in the Eastern Mediterranean, and there's plenty for them to do there. But they have lots of intelligence gathering capability, uh, lots of uh, ability to operate, if you will, out of area. As far as the Arabian Gulf, look for maritime cooperation, special forces cooperation. Eventually, yes, you will see cooperation in fighters in the air. Last question, Admiral. Yesterday, a story broke that Iran is considering the assassination of our ambassador to South Africa as a reprisal for uh, Soleimani being killed while in Iraq, the man responsible for 600 American deaths. I don't think the ambassador has done anything like that. What did you make of that story and how should the United States respond, do you think? Yeah, I I found that story uh, very disturbing, and certainly the subtext of it, and I've I've seen a couple of uh, unclassified reports that speculate that the choice was made because of the personal relationship between the ambassador, who is a woman, Lana Marks, who is evidently an old friend of President Trump. That really personalizes things. I could see in the Iranian twisted mentality going after someone like General Frank McKenzie, who's the head of U.S. Central Command, roughly the equivalent of Soleimani. That would be proportional if you're in the Iranian world. Um, Illegal, inappropriate. But to think about going after the U.S. ambassador to South Africa because she is a friend and acquaintance of President Trump uh, is truly beyond the pale and ought to give us uh, a real window into the thinking of Iran, if that's true. I'm sure we are taking steps to protect the ambassador. Um, She, by the way, was born in South Africa, speaks several of the native languages, 
seems extremely credible in her post. Um, she needs to be protected. And it, we also need to be alert that if the criteria is to hit hard and personally at the president, that presents a different level of intelligence analysis. Look at the ambassadors around the world who fall in that category. Iran has great reach because of Hezbollah, the terrorist organization. Very quickly, Admiral, when they threatened, I believe, George H.W. Bush, his son uh, took quick and decisive action against Iran. What would you expect would be the consequences for Iran if they were to take action against any American? They would be, I think, uh, under a Trump administration, massive and immediate. And uh, let us hope Iran exercises restraint and understands um, the response, again, would be, I believe, massive and immediate. Well said. Admiral, always a pleasure. Have a good week. Admiral James Stavridis. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Michael Medved at michaelmedved.com for Town Hall. Joe Biden and his team must prepare to face tough questions in the first presidential debate on September 29th. For instance, you've supported nationwide demonstrations for racial justice, but would you want them to continue after your president? How would you, sir, scale down the occasionally violent protests? And in the primaries, you move sharply left on abortion funding, free college, climate policy, and more. As president, would you continue that shift as demanded by your party's progressive wing? And did you grow up with white privilege, the advantages that purportedly benefit people of European descent? How would you erase such privilege in the future? And many Christian and Jewish friends of Israel appreciate the pro-Israel policies of President Trump. Would you build on those policies or alter them? And if so, how? And finally, would you appoint a 78-year-old as a top cabinet official? And if so, how would you make sure that candidate was up to the job? I'm Michael Medved. 